This podcast contains discussion about adult topics. Use your judgment if there are little ears around. Welcome to Doing It. This is a podcast made by the Family Planning Victoria Schools and Community Team. My name is Anne and I'm part of the Family Planning Victoria Schools and Community Team. We go to schools and run classes for all year levels on bodies, growing up, puberty, sex, reproduction and relationships. This podcast is for parents and carers of school-aged children so that we can share what goes on in a relationships and sexuality education class and help support these sorts of conversations at home. Today I'll be speaking with Miller Sodding from Minus 18. Minus 18 is Australia's leading LGBTIQ youth-driven charity. The team produces unforgettable identity-affirming events, workshops and campaigns in order to stamp out bullying, homophobia, biphobia, transphobia and interphobia. Their mission is that Australia becomes a safer and more inclusive place for LGBTIQ young people. At Family Planning Victoria, we recognise the importance of making all students feel safe and included at school. Minus 18 provides a really valuable network of supporters and allies. Miller is going to talk to me about the sort of the work they do in schools. Young people at high school, particularly in Melbourne, are likely to know about Minus 18 already. This podcast is for parents and carers, so I'm going to try and ask Miller about some of the things that grown-ups might want to know about Minus 18. Okay, recording. So Miller, thank you so much for coming in today and talking to me. Thank you. It's a real pleasure to be oh, here. Very exciting. <laughs> I have heard you speak at events a couple of times and I've noticed like a lot of people working in this advocacy sort of space, uh, you were drawn to this through your personal experience. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. I think a lot of people working in the LGBTIQ sector have their own experiences with, um, I guess, the journey of your sexuality and your gender identity. And for me, I always wanted to work in this space um, because I I did struggle a lot as a kid with my own identity and to be part of um, making sure people feel included and supported and have the language and have the tools um, to be able to support LGBTIQ people. It's it's a real passion of mine. So... Mm -hmm. Um, I worked like a nine to five corporate job for a couple of years and uh, I sort of left that all behind and, and jumped straight into this sort of thing. But it's it's awesome and I love it. Uh, why is it so important to be really proactive in a school in affirming same sex attracted and gender diverse people in a school sort of environment? Yeah. So the main role that I have at Minus 18, I'm a workshop presenter. So I spend a lot of time in schools doing both youth workshops for the students, but also teacher training again to push that LGBTIQ inclusion and support message. Um, It's important because it obviously makes sure that all students feel supported while they're studying. That support that you provide can help students be more successful in their studies, um, furthering into their careers. So it it makes a massive difference. And a lot of the time those differences are only small, mm. you know. it's it's. Um, so what sort of things are you telling teachers to be yeah. inclusive? Well, I'd say the main one is around language. That's a big, big thing that we push because there's studies out there that show that um, young people, when presented in a space that has inclusive language or gender-neutral language, um, they feel – LGBTIQ young people feel better and yep. they feel more – uh, engaged, they feel more heard and validated. So I think language is such a simple thing that teachers can do 
um, and something that they probably don't think about a lot. Mm. There's lots of, hey, guys or girls in an all-girls school or vice yep. versa. Yep. Um, so we recommend other using other things. Yep. To So that's just one example, but yep. um, there's all sorts of things. I think the first step is for them to look at what gendered things they have in the school and how that might impact someone who might not identify within that. But then you've also got the other side of just sexuality as well and young people exploring their sexuality and it's just important to provide them with that space to do that and not invalidate that experience because being a teenager is hard enough and Mm. when you add the layer of questioning your sexuality, it's very stressful. Mm. So if your school is welcoming of that, um, supportive of that, if they've got rainbows up, if they've got a pride group, it actually can have a profound impact on that young person. Can you talk a little bit about the sort of campaigns and events that Minus 18 run? Yeah, so the first thing that comes to mind, we play a big role in those sorts of national and international um, celebration days. So you've got probably the most renowned one is Ida Hobbit, which stands for International Day Against Homophobia, Biophobia, Interphobia and Transphobia. They love acronyms (laughs) at schools. They can't get away from them. (laughs) We love acronyms in the LGBTIQ community, that's for sure. Um, That's a big day that's celebrated all over the world on May the 17th. Minus 18, we push that really, really strongly in Australia. We're at the forefront of Ida Hobbit, which is amazing. We rally people around to stand up against discrimination, to raise funds for LGBTIQ organisations. Minus 18, obviously, is a great one, but there's lots of different ones. Um, And create, spread awareness of um, discrimination and the impacts that it has and ways in which you can sort of stand up against it. So that's really um, one of the main ones. The other one is We're at Purple, which Mm -hmm. is actually coming up. Um, So that's happening on 30th of August. It's always in the last week of August. That is an event that is celebrated specifically for LGBTIQ young people. And it's a similar thing. You get people to wear um, wear purple to work, raise money, spread that awareness. But we we play a big role in promoting those sorts of events. How do you promote them? Do you work directly with the schools and provide advertising material and merchandise and things like that? Yeah. So a big thing we push during those those periods is workshops. Mm -hmm. Um, So we encourage people to either book a workshop or have like a keynote speech as well. So a big part of my role is to go in and do that. Um, But then we also provide like pride packs specifically around celebrating these events and they'll have you know posters ribbons a little box to put the donations in that sort of stuff um so it's awesome you know this Ida Hobbit particularly has grown and grown each year same with We're at Purple but last year Ida Hobbit um, we started encouraging organizations schools anyone to register their Ida Hobbit event through minus 18 just so we could promote you know these events are happening last year I don't have the exact number on me but it was in the 200s Mm -hmm. this year it was over 900 so yeah we're really promoting it online on social media you know through emails um, that sort of thing to the database of the many legends that are part of the minus 18 community and that message is just spreading and it's it's really cool to sort of be at the front of that and what do you think it means for a young person who's maybe questioning to see a whole bunch of people wearing purple at their school yeah, I think it means so much. It's sort of hard. I spent a lot of time reflecting on what it would have been like for me at school had this visibility been there 10, 12, 15 years ago. But I can only imagine that it would feel really affirming and and safe. I think for a lot of queer and questioning people, 
it's all about do I have am I in a space where I can share that am I in a space where I can celebrate it and to have the visibility and the rainbows and the cake and the the positive experience the positive energy mm-hmm. for the community it would only make those people feel okay and yep. sort of less ashamed and more open to share yep yeah, I love it. It's yeah. awesome. What sort of things, you mentioned a couple of events, but what sort of other things can schools do in their environment to make it a supportive one? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so events, I said inclusive language. Definitely if they don't have pride groups, I think people underestimate the power that a pride group can have. So how would a pride group run? It's like a school uh, lunchtime Yeah, class. like like an LGBTIQ or questioning group. Um mostly run that I know run they run at lunchtime um they're always like facilitated by a teacher one or two but mostly it's actually led by the the students at the school they have all sorts of names my favorite one I've ever heard was saga which was sexuality and gender alliance (laughs) which I love because the drama of a saga but um who doesn't want to be in the saga group (laughs) (laughs) exactly but it's you know pretty low-key it it might just be a lunchtime where you bring your your lunch you chat with other people maybe you watch an lgbtiq show or um, host an event in this space but it's really just a step to for the school to show that they're creating those spaces for those young people to talk and to feel connected you know for me I was not out at school I really struggled I went to a conservative all-girls school uh, religious school as well there was no language there was no support there was nothing about no posters no (laughs) definitely no (laughs) posters and no cake um so that was really hard for me but what really changed my life and my my path was going to uni and finding those queer spaces Mm. so if they're being created in a high school level I think that's helping a lot of people find that safety and find that support earlier so I think it's it's a really important thing that schools should get behind some schools find it a bit controversial. They find it a bit challenging. You know, how do you manage sort of creating a group like this when other people have varying be- varying beliefs and faith and cultural backgrounds and all sorts of stuff that might create a bit of friction between people. But I think it's so crucial that you create those spaces for LGBTIQ people and facilitate that and stand with them mm-hmm. so they don't feel lost and isolated and without support. Yeah. And from my experience, it's not just the queer people in the student community that want groups like that. It's, yeah. it's everyone. Yeah. Everyone wants to feel like they're supporting other students. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Yeah. So just asking about events, this podcast is for parents and carers. I'm going to ask some occupational health and safety questions about events. This Love is it. Sort of things that I think the grown ups would want to know. For sure. So if. Uh, parent or a carer has a young person going to one of your events are they supervised and by whom a hundred percent all our events are supervised by a whole team of people so you've got your minus 18 staff who have worked to coordinate the event but then you've also got youth workers so at every event we have a handful of youth workers there working to make sure that all the young people are feeling okay and if they're not they're able to help facilitate conversation um, and sort of connect them back with any support that they might need Mm. on top of that there's security as well as a whole um, string of volunteers Mm -hmm. who are LGBTIQ identifying young people who are perhaps a bit 
older, so usually in that 18 to 25 bracket. Um, so there's lots of support around. And yourself and other um, social workers would be not necessarily teachers but have working with children checks. And oh, for sure. All that sort of stuff. All, so all minus 18 staff have to have working with children's checks, as do the volunteers. Um, and absolutely, the youth workers are certified trained yep. youth workers who a lot of them work in that space full-time through the week and then yep. they take so the that's time. That's a requirement for them anyway. Yep, then they take the time to come to our events. Um, they're always LGBTIQ identifying as well, um, usually volunteering to show support for the community and, yeah, they, they really, they're champions in helping make sure everyone um, feels safe and if not, we make sure that they, they get the support they need. Mm-hmm. Is there a registration process to attend and do parents or carers need to sign registrations? No. So registration is sort of just like a sign-up online. So there, you do get a ticket. Um, usually our events have up to 500 young people at them, so they're massive. Um, and when I say this, sorry, I mean the our queer formal. So we're most, we're most known for our queer formal events. Um, they're very big and there's usually lots going on. We've got performers, we've got, you know, activations, all sorts of things happening. So... Um, all they have to do is just sign up online. We actually have a – we make a priority to um, make sure that there's all sorts of people that are going, not just sort of your Melbourne suburban queer people. Like we make sure that we're inclusive of um, regional areas right. and allocate certain amounts of tickets to that as well. So there's a real diverse group that oh, get wow. to go. But it almost always sells out, yes. our, our queer formals. But young people can sign up themselves, yeah. Okay. Uh, are the dance parties drug and alcohol free? Absolutely. Oh, yes, absolutely. I was going to say absolutely not, <laughs> but then I <laughs> realised how you asked it. Yeah, no, all our events are 100% um, drug, alcohol and smoke free. Does someone have to be gay to come along? No, not at all. I think um, we welcome everyone because you can never really know what someone's going through or how someone identifies. Um, Obviously, the event is really tailored to LGBTIQ people and the vast majority who attend are queer or questioning young people, but there's no reason why they can't bring their friend or two. They might want to bring a support Exactly. Yeah, 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 for sure. Are there condoms available and does sexy stuff happen? (laughs) Sexy stuff, I love that. (laughs) Um, So, minus 18, we don't have the capacity or we're not in the space for sexual education or sexual health. Interestingly, we hosted an event last year called the Queer Ideas Festival. It was the first of its kind. And basically we got 120 young people to come together and really talk about the issues that matter to them and that are affecting them. And then we got them all to vote on like what the most crucial one ones were to them we printed them off in a really spiffy looking report called young and queer report if you can get your hands on one it's really worth the read because it gives you insight into what young people want Mm. and the number one thing by a mile was sexual health education because a lot of the time um, when you do sex ed in schools it can be skewed to a heterosexual narrative and that creates a lot of barriers for LGBTIQ people and also just creates a bit of an unsafe space for them in terms of what they don't know about mm. sexual health. But we don't facilitate that and we're not 
involved in that, um, in educating them on sex ed. Our role is to facilitate the event and create a space for them to have a good time. Mm. And that's a really big reminder for us that we need to be really inclusive in our sexual health messaging, that we're not just talking about heterosexual sex in our classes. We're inclusive of everyone. For sure. Totally agree. Is there first aid at events? Oh, yes, absolutely. So there's staff and security who are trained in first aid and there's like a little station at each event that that is dedicated for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, what sort of venues do you hold events? Um, usually our events are in sort of council town halls because they can be subsidised for not-for-profits um, and they're also accessible. Yeah, big, yeah. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> got to fit them all in yeah. there. <laughs> Can a young person attend without parents knowing? Yes, they can and they do. I think that for some young people, they're not able to be out. They're not able to share this part of themselves with their parents or their families or their guardians. So the way we structure our events is to make sure those people can still come. Some of them just say they're going to a general underage event. Some might say something else. Um, But I guess you can take comfort in the fact that when they do come to these events, they are very safe, they're drug and alcohol free, there's youth workers, there's security there. So there's lots of people around them and providing that extra support if they need it. And youth workers could potentially help facilitate that conversation with adults at home if it was appropriate? Uh, for or sure, or guide. sort of pass them on yeah. to, to how they might go about doing that, for sure. Yeah. That's probably one of the number one questions I get asked when I do youth workshops. Um, I have young people come up to me after and say, what are your tips on coming out to my family and things like that? Because for a lot of young people, they're just not. I didn't come out to my family until I was 19. So mm. for some of these young people, yeah, it's, it's a conversation that they haven't had yet but that doesn't mean they can't still celebrate and they can't still be in that space so that's really important to us if a young person comes along is there a dress code yeah so again for the queer formals most people sort of dress in formal clothes I guess the idea of the formal was created because um, you know Typically, school formals are very hetero sort of focused. Um, And for a lot of schools, you're not allowed to bring same-sex partners. That was definitely the case at my school. Mm. Um, Does that still happen? I know. Not not nowhere near as much as it used to. But there are still schools out there that do really draw the line with Mm. that. And, And perhaps... Even if they, if the school doesn't encourage it, um, the young people, the peers might be a bit more challenged by it. So perhaps for a lot of LGBTIQ people, school formals aren't a really inclusive space for them. So Minus 18 said, well, we do events. Let's create this big party for young people to dress how they want and bring who they want and feel comfortable. So a lot of them do wear formal clothes but a lot of them just turn up in jeans and t-shirt it's really their call it's what they feel comfortable in and and that's that's fine with us will everything go on social media okay great question so um there's lots of concerns here about privacy like we said some people aren't out um some people don't want their photos online um particularly at a queer event so we we have photographers at the event taking photos of everyone having a good time those photos get posted in a private facebook group um, which is called minus 18 teens and uh that is again a facilitated facebook page by staff but basically it's a private space for the photos to be posted that they can still see them but they're not tagged in a public forum 
Um, so that's one thing. And then we put sort of our major big social photos of the groups having a great time. They go on Instagram and on all, on, on all our um, sorts of platforms. But at the events, if a, if a young person says, I don't want to be in a photo, that's so fine. And the photographers are actually specifically briefed on that before the event starts. So anyone that wants to jump out just does and we make sure that that's okay. But yeah, and we also do share just on our Instagram stories and things like that while the event's happening, there's lots of highlights mm. that we share. Yep. Yeah. And young people would be Instagramming their own pictures. Oh, absolutely. Of the event as well. Yeah, yeah. We and we love it. We encourage it. We want we want us to show them getting ready and being there and having a great time yep. and we really encourage that sort of um, that sort of engagement for yep. sure. Uh, events wheelchair accessible. Oh, a hundred percent. All the events we host are one hundred percent wheelchair accessible. Yep. Great. Okay, that was that was it for occupational health and safety. <laughs> but I appreciate those questions and I think it's really important. You know, like as a parent, I can only imagine if a young person comes to them and says, I want to go to this underage queer event, you know, if you don't know anything about it, you might think, well, what... What, is, what are they going to be exposed to? What's going to happen? Yeah, you just want to know your kids are safe. Exactly. So happy to answer those questions and I can guarantee I've been to them. They're, the events that we host are so wholesome and <laughs> there's lots of glitter, there's lots of dancing. There's a lot of retro music that they know all the words to, <laughs> which still baffles me. But, um, but yeah, it's a really, really safe environment and really great. And there is lots of information about them on your website as yep, well. for sure. Yep. If you could offer advice to parents and carers, what would it be? I think the number one thing parents need to remember is that their their child is always their child and that what it takes to come out to your parents, it's, it's massive. They've probably spent a, a long time thinking about it. They've probably spent a long time talking, exploring, wondering um, and now they're at a point where they can share it with you and it's so common for parents to react in a way that sort of invalidates them. You know, they say, oh, you, you, you're young, see how you go. It's just age. Yeah, right. It's, mm. just a, it's just a phase that gets thrown around a lot. And I think that that terminology really does invalidate young queer people or queer people in general mm. because in life there's so many phases that you go through and it's important to just create a space to have those conversations and to let them explore whatever they need to um, because it's just that way they're safe about it, they're upfront about it, there's no shame, there's no hiding. You know, a lot of people in my sort of age group, their parents said, oh, I just don't want you to have a harder life. Mm. You know, when there's a lot of like fear because you build up an idea of what your child will, the life that they'll live. Mm. I mean, this is an extra difficulty. Yeah, and then coming out as queer, it really changes the path of what you expected them to do. But truthfully, you can live a fantastic life as a queer person and the, the understanding that you wouldn't or that it's worse or harder or, you know, it's, it's sort of it's ill-informed, I think, um, and it it's sort of stems from the fact that people can be afraid of queerness and that, that it's a bit odd and it's not okay. But I think you've just got to let young people and all people who are exploring it to just be open and to try it out. And I think the other advice I could give is have patience with yourself as well as a parent. Um, my parents 
were pretty shocked when I came out and it took a couple of years for us to really meet back in the middle. It wasn't, we weren't angry, it wasn't like a frosty situation, but it was just they were over there and I was here and I didn't know how to communicate what I was going through to them. They had no idea what <laughs> what to say to me. Um, so I think that it's really important that if a, if a young person comes out to you and says that they, you know, that their sexuality might be diverse or that their gender identity they, they want to change their name their pronoun that might take some adjusting to do that and that's okay you know but that's not me saying you have a free pass to make mistakes it's it's okay to make mistakes but it's how you correct yourself it's how you show support for your for your child mm. um, in in a very challenging part of their life so what are the steps how would someone how would a parent go from just accepting that as a thing that maybe their child is doing at the moment to really celebrating that yeah um I think celebrating is a really good word and it's a really important thing to do I think because to accept is to say okay that's you sure that's what you've what the way you're going to live your life um but to celebrate is to say I see you I hear you I love you um I'm going to wear that rainbow lanyard and I'm going to proudly say that my child is LGBTIQ I think that means so much I love I love going to pride march and and LGBTIQ events and seeing parents with their children really celebrating them um you know and you see also people offering like mum hugs I don't know if you've seen that online like mum and dad hugs like you know people who are parents who go to these pride events and actually hug like offer hugs to people. That's lovely. I know it's really powerful. Um, It actually sounds a bit weird when you say it out loud, but when you (laughs) see the photos and you see the impact that it has, it just shows that there's so much love there that that you need to give these young people because when they don't get it, it's it's detrimental. Mm. What is your wish for young people who identify within the LGTBIQ community? (laughs) Um, My wish for young LGBTIQ people is that they are connected, that they know that they're not alone. I think it sounds a bit cliched to say that, but it's, you know, so LGBTIQ people are so much more likely to experience mental health challenges, to experience isolation. So it's really what I would love for them to know is that that there's a whole community out there waiting for them. Um, I think it is a journey and it's one that you're never not on. I think that things can change, labels and what you identify them as and how you identify with them, they can change too. But you've just got to give yourself that space and that love to to be yourself, even when it's very, very challenging. But there is such an incredible community that we have. There's so many services. There's so much out there to to bring you back in and that mm. we're always going to fight for you and that you know, you're always going to be part of our community. So I think, I hope that people can remember that and I hope that they can know that. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much, Miller, for talking to me. It was really helpful and I think any parents and carers of anyone would be really uh, grateful to know that a service like yours is out there. Thank you so much. (laughs) I love it. It's great. Thanks. Thank you so much to Miller for talking to me today. There was a few things that really stood out in our discussion. Language is really important in schools to make everyone feel included. There are a lot of things schools can do to support LGBTIQ youth, such as posters 
Pride Groups, Ida Hobbit Day, Wear It Purple Day. Minus 18 events are well staffed by people who have working with children checks. For anyone identifying as LGTBIQ, there is a whole community waiting for you. For more information about Minus 18, you can go to their website. I'll link that in the show notes. They have lots of information for young people created by young people explaining the whole rainbow. They have information about past and future events. Also have a look at their socials, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. For more information about Family Planning Victoria, you can go to fpv.org.au. You can follow FPV on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Contact us directly at doingit at fpv.org.au. If you like the podcast, subscribe and give us a great review. Thank you so much for listening.